0: Thank you. Thanks, Tennyson and Angela. You guys should get married. If you're new to us, they are married. You know, a while, about, a while ago, I was uh, absolutely frustrated with a service that I, or a lack of service that I was getting. So I get a monthly bill, and that bill continued to show uh, that I was being charged a significant amount that I had not spent. So I kept phoning into this particular business and I would bring it to their attention and the sales person would, or the the, um, person that was labeled to help me, she would go on or he would go on and and say that perhaps there was something wrong here or it'll be off next week or something like that or maybe we could split the difference. And I'm going, I didn't do this. So I kept phoning month after month and they continued to say something would be done and nothing was done. So I phoned again this one day and... uh, I just said, hey, can I talk to your manager? And uh, they would always say no to me. Or can I talk to somebody in authority? And they'd say no. Uh, But I will talk to them, and then I will get back to you. So then I'd be on hold for a while, and I'd listen, and I'd listen. And then they'd come back, and they'd just say, well, sorry, but this is what we can do and all that. So finally I phoned back the next time. And every time I phoned, it took 20 minutes, half an hour. And finally I phoned back. And uh, knowing full well that this had nothing to do with any mistake that I had made, I just finally said, okay, I want to explain something to you. I have phoned you the last three days in a row. And I will make a commitment to you that I will phone every day. Every day. And today has been 20 minutes. Yesterday was half an hour. And I have no problem committing myself to phoning and keeping you tied up half an hour every day. Is that worth it to you guys? And suddenly I spoke to somebody in authority. Anyway, I, I hate doing that, but isn't that the worst, when you're actually chatting with somebody that doesn't have the authority to make a difference? Nah. No? Um, my staff and I, we were chatting a while ago about this one hotel chain where the, um, where the CEO has made it a rule so that everybody, right from the clerk uh, to the person that makes your bed to the person that's uh, changing the light bulbs, everybody has, I think it was a ridiculous amount, up to almost $2,000 to make a customer happy, because their philosophy is not getting new customers but keeping their continuing customers happy. Can you imagine that? So you're changing light bulbs and all of a sudden you come up to me and and you're totally disgusted by something in the room and I actually have the authority as the janitor or whatever to make your day and to make sure that you keep coming back to our hotel. So we chatted a little bit about that in our staff and one of the things that's easy to do is delegating tasks, don't you think? I mean, I love delegating tasks, especially ones I hate. I say, "Hey, Tennyson, do this, or please do this," right? But tasks are way different than actually delegating authority, right? So I might say some, I might actually tell somebody to do something, and they might do it, but I'll be looking over their shoulder because I actually don't trust them to do a job well done. In fact, years ago, I did this whole research paper. on why youth work professionals or why youth pastors were only lasting about a year and a half. And, uh, hey, Oren lasted three and a half here, and he's still going. So that's fantastic. But uh, one of the things that came out in that is that it seemed as though youth pastors were saying that they were hired to do a job, but not trusted to do that job. So they would do their job, but meanwhile the board or a hardcore parent, or the senior pastor was looking over their shoulder and not really giving them authority to make a difference in the lives of youth in their community. So, so authority is an interesting thing. But yet authority is one of those words that we also don't like. When we come to church, the last thing you want to hear about is authority. Because authority has been abused. We hear about all sorts of nasty stuff, even in, within our community, of authority that's been abused when it comes to church. Or politics within it. And it is. I admit it's one of those things that's just really tough to balance. Because of the, the brutal lack of authority in some cases. And other times it's been abused. So how do we do it? Well today I think. And even the songs were fantastic that were chosen. Because when we really look at Christ making a difference in our lives. Often it really does come down. allowing Him to have authority in our life and this is really cool because God doesn't struggle with self-esteem He's not comparing Himself to another God thinking that He's got to be a better God He's perfect all-knowing all-powerful and He loves you Heavenly Father this morning we ask that that would become more and more clear to us, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. Father, it's amazing, and to me, honestly, it's crazy that you've given us authority to spread the gospel of Christ, to be Christ ones, to walk about in this hurting world and bring the good news of Jesus. And we don't come with some kind of abuse or authority, or we sure shouldn't be. But we come with an authority saying, this is the real deal. We have been touched by God, and it's not something we have done. It's what God has done. And because of that, we're ambassadors of an incredible message. We are messengers of the Most High King. So I ask, Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would help us this morning to realize the beauty it is to first of all be called a son or daughter of the Most High King, and then the responsibilities and absolute privilege it is to walk in that. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 5. We've been uh, going on a sermon series about our mission, just touching on our mission every year. And what our mission is, is helping people reach their God-given potential in Jesus Christ. And I love that. I still love this mission statement, because really when you think of it, Each one of us reaching our potential in Christ. So if you're here today and you're actually a bit sour or bitter toward God, that's okay because your potential is hopefully to meet folks and hopefully to meet God in a fresh way and just get a little bit closer considering that you just might take the step and by faith receive Christ as your Savior. And if you're here and you've been warming the seat for 60 years and you haven't done a thing, your potential is to get off that seat and start sharing your faith and start serving the church. And if you're here today and you know the Bible backwards and forwards and up and down and all that stuff, you know all the right answers, your marriage is sweet and all that stuff, well, it's time that you start paying attention to other folks that you can pour into. You know what I'm saying? So there's potential for each and every one of us. So helping people reach their God-given potential in Jesus Christ. Looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21. Here we go. For the love of Christ controls us, well, I, I I went back a little bit, so you gotta pay attention here a bit. For the life of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him in this way no longer. Verse 17, therefore, and when there's therefore, what do you do? What's it? Thank you. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new crea- creature, or new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all of these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed us, or committed to us, the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Boy, I could say amen and we could go home after that, right? I don't have to say much more. Incredible, incredible portion of scripture. In fact, to be honest, when we came up with this mission statement, boom, this was the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, or 17, that compelled us to this mission statement. I want to read a little bit from Eugene Peterson. He's uh, written the message, which isn't a perfect translation, but yet sometimes it's just one of those commentary kind of translations that makes it a bit more simple and dumbs it down for us to really grab us and help us in our devotional life. So here we go from the message. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Don't you like that? (laughs) He's created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. And what in the world does burgeons? Here I'm supposed to be reading a passage that's supposed to dumb it down, but burgeons, I only come across that in Scrabble. So what does burgeons mean? It means to put forth new buds, leaves, or greenery to sprout to begin to grow or blossom, to grow or develop rapidly. Isn't that cool? Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone that he, what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we, could be put right with God. May God bless the reading of His Word, huh? Just love it. There is so much in here. There is just so much in here. Even within this second translation, it's interesting to me, and what jumps out to me, is all of this is because what God has done for us. So it's not, again, my resume. It's not something that I've done. It's not something that I'm really trying hard at. It's God has pursued us even though I really have not pursued him whatsoever. I have pursued me. I put people around me so that I look good. It's all about me. And yet God says, I love you and I want you to be reconciled to me. So much so I'm going to send Jesus Christ. Incredible Incredible stuff. And not only that, and now he uses us as broken vessels, as broken people, as people that still fall and fail and end up breaking relationship with others. Or through all of our mess, he still says, okay, are you done? Okay, now get up, brush yourself off, now go be my ambassador. Go be my advertisement. That blows my mind. So you don't have any clue how many times I've come across people that don't go to church anymore because they had a bad experience with a Christian, right? Well, hang out with me long enough and I'll give you a bad experience. (laughs) Everybody's like that. It is disappointing, it really is. But we're a motley crew and we still struggle with stuff. You might be free from some kind of addiction or some stupid habit that you did 20 years ago and then all of a sudden you can't believe you just did it again. But I'll tell you, it keeps you humble, keeps you real, and keeps you relatable. But if we're fatheads and all we do is, no, you know, and we put on our fancy stuff just for Sunday, and people think you're unapproachable and you never do anything wrong, your family's perfect, well, gee, I wouldn't want to come to a church like that because I feel like I'm the only dirty one. It's really important that we realize we're ambassadors not because what we have done but what God has done through Jesus Christ. What God has done through Jesus Christ. He has made the world square with himself through the Messiah. So we can look at all sorts of um, things in our lives, actions in our lives, or things that we've done, or mistakes we've made, or a sin in our life, but I think the principal area of change is in our attitude toward Christ and our attitude toward others. Or what you've heard before, our heart, the center of our thought, the center of our affections. If that's changed, then your actions and your language and your addictions and all that stuff will change. Principal area change is attitude toward Christ and attitude toward others. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. And that uh, in the wording is actually an errorist tense, which means it's done, it's gone, see you later. Or not see you later, goodbye is what I really mean there. Uh, The old things have passed away. And behold, new things have come. And that's actually in the perfect tense. Here to stay, accomplished. So the first one, the old things have passed away. It's done, gone, bye-bye. And new things have come, which is the perfect tense. It's here to stay. So it's kind of interesting. And I take great comfort in Paul in Romans 7 and 8. If you look at Romans 7, you'll see that there's an I, 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 go on and circle it or highlight it. When Paul is talking about, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do. And it's I, I, I. You circle I so many times. I'm not sure if it was like 72 times in there. And then in the next chapter, verse, or chapter 8, you come across the word spirit. And he's driven by the spirit. So the first one, he's driven by I, 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 me, me, me. The second chapter in Romans 8, he's driven by the spirit. That's exactly it. And if a guy like Paul still struggles with this, if a guy like Paul, who's written a good portion of scripture, if this guy still struggled with his old life, I think you can give yourself a break and realize it sucks, but many times we still struggle with our old life. The big deal is that you don't stay there. You realize that God's got something for you and he wants to lift you up brush you off, and let, let's let do this again. Let's try again. Really important. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Paul wrote in Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and he gave himself up for me. So I'm not sure about you, but every time I've seen a crucifixion scene, the person that's been crucified is dead. And Paul says this about himself and us. We have been crucified with Christ. So why do we so often give our old life, our old thoughts, our old language, our old friendships, why do we so often give that power in our life? There was one teacher, and don't do this, and hopefully this doesn't offend you, but it might. My apologies. But this one teacher, he started off one morning at this lovely, tight Christian school. It was just lovely. And he walked in one morning. He was there before the students. The students came in, and then quietly he went to the whiteboard, and he wrote a word on the whiteboard. Don't do this at home. He wrote a word that starts with F, has three more letters, and ends with K. If you don't know, talk to me afterwards, okay? Anyway, you can imagine in this little school... So all the students, all you heard was... <gasps> like It was unbelievable. Like They were so offended by this. He just went quietly and grabbed the dry erase marker and he erased the F word. And then he went J... E-S-U-S and the kids just there was no his point was totally proven he says why do you give the F word so much power and the J word none at all he got in trouble for that but (laughs) point well taken (laughs) point well taken And how many times, it might not be a word, but how many times do you even give the thoughts that you have for yourself, the power and the thoughts that God has for you, no power at all? I don't care what God thinks of me. I really know me, and I'm no good for nothing. So this is a principle, I think, that's very, very foundational. If we're going to be an ambassador for the Most High King, you obviously got to know what your relationship with God is. And before you knew Christ, it wasn't good, but he sent Jesus Christ so that he could bring you and reconcile you to himself. And now he's given us this ministry to give the word and the work of reconciliation for the world. So relationships are really important, you guys. Really important. In fact... Here's a little commercial break for for baptism if you want to get wet one of these days. Romans 6 talks about it, is that we go down, so when we dunk somebody, when we immerse somebody, baptizo means to go under, so you take somebody and you put them under the water and they come up. They have been baptized with Christ. They have died to themselves and up into a new creation. And it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic picture of nothing happens magically that day But it's a fantastic picture of what has happened on the inside of us. That we have died to ourselves and we have risen with new life, new life in Christ. So by new things, when it says the old things have passed away and behold new things have come, what are you talking about? And I'd like to throw it there that you're talking about your whole self. Everything about you. You are new. You have been bought. You have been renewed. You have been redeemed. Your outlook, your personality, your characteristics, the whole package. There's nothing about you that Christ does not want to impact. He wants to impact your outlook. He wants to impact um, how you treat your kiddos. He wants to impact your business. He wants to impact your schedule. He wants to impact your money. All of it. He wants to impact it all. When you think about it, the guy that wrote this, Paul... Do you think that he totally changed in some ways when he came to Christ? And this is what I mean. When he was Saul, when he hated Jesus Christ, and he actually was persecuting them, and he was there, and they were throwing their robes down at his feet when the other guys picked up stones and flung them at Stephen until Stephen was dead. This is Saul. Do you think when Christ came into his life that all of a sudden he was, this, he was a passionate guy, he was hardcore, he was driven, and then he met Jesus, and now he sits nicely in a pew, and you never hear from him again? I don't think so. He was driven, passionate, and then he died to that, but yet he used his drivenness and his passion for Christ. So God uses us and he redeems, he buys back. But he wants to use you. He wants to use your connections. He wants to use your personality. He wants to use it. He wants to make you right. He wants to make you right. So he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. He's made us a new creation. Now he wants to give us this ministry of reconciliation. And like I just hinted, he we are being made right with Christ, or we are made right with Christ. So we're made right with God. So let's stop there for a second and realize that he didn't lower the bar. I know sometimes if you've gotten counseling, if your teenager's off the rails, you can uh, ten bucks says that you've gone to a counselor, and in order for keep your crazy teenager in the home, they're saying, Well, maybe lower the bar. Maybe don't expect too terribly much of your teenager. And pretty soon, your bar is underground. And they're still not paying attention to it. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what? When it comes to God, he has not lowered the bar. He goes, okay, I guess I can't. i got to deal with some of this sin. And all right, I'll just lower He doesn't do that. His bar is still up here. A bar that we can't even see. A bar of holiness. Because something that's ministered to me is I realize that God... Doesn't expect holiness, God is holy. To me, it's different. He doesn't just sit around as an unholy being and expect you to be holy. He is holy. So, He cannot be in the presence of unholiness, if that makes sense. There's a big difference there to me. So, He's not expecting something that's just like, what? He is holy. He is mighty. He is great. The great I am. So then he makes us right with himself by not lowering the bar, but actually at the price of his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you believe in him, you don't have to perish, but you have eternal life. That starts now. So I love this. So not only are we made right with him through Jesus Christ, But because of that, he's now given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that means that it is a big deal that we seek to be right with others and to live and to preach and whatever you do in your actions, that you are actually an ambassador of rightness for others. You're helping others be reconciled to God. Does that make sense? Now, something that helped me a lot, because I used to feel really guilty, I'd walk down the street and I'd go, oh, shoot, I should have shared with him. Shoot, I should have said something to her. So then you can walk in in this lovely persona of guilt because you just haven't shared, haven't shared, haven't shared. And I had a great conversation with somebody just yesterday downstairs after the funeral um, of how do we do this? And I think Henry Blackaby was on something when he said, start your day with something like this. God, I know you're at work and I want to be a part of it. Think about that. So suddenly, you're just dying to share uh, Jesus Christ with your neighbor or whatever, and you're saying, "Uh, Jesus, give me the strength to share with Bob. Help me with Bob. And Lord, help my efforts with Bob. With Bob. And all of a sudden, you just go, okay, chill out. And now, Lord, I know you're at work. And I still pray for Bob, but I know you're at work, and I want to be a part of it. And now I think from a different portion of Scripture, I think it's 1 Peter that says, and be ready to share the hope that is within you. So you're actually cultivating your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You're ready to share. Be that in action, be that in word, whatever. But now you're paying attention for God stuff, for God appointments, for God talks, for for those times where you pull over and help somebody, for those times where you can pay the bill of somebody else. You're just paying attention because you have the hope within you. You have an answer for the hope that somebody asks or if there's an opportunity to give, but you're paying attention for God moments where you can actually bring the ministry of reconciliation. Martin Luther reckoned the fear of the Lord to be necessary in the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Faith sees a certain divine judgment ahead that urges Christians to rely on God's mercy and to rely on God's grace for themselves, and to persuade others to accept the gospel. Such fear is necessary, Luther says. So there's something that really persuaded or lit a fire under Luther, saying, this is a big deal, that without Christ, what what's what's happening? What's going on? So when we realize that we have this fear relationship, and we're not saying run away from God, but we are saying that God is all powerful and me, just Stevie in his presence is probably not good. But most incredibly that this little boy from the prairies that grew up outside of a town of 300 people, God listens to me. And he listens to you. That's incredible to me. So yeah, I, I, I try to be in awe and realize the fear of God because, wow, incredible stuff. Shillington comments, Christ died for all, eradicates the superficial walls that human groups erect and maintain around themselves as if good fences make good neighbors or Robert Frost mending walls. So Shillington goes on to say that also realizing where we are at and having a sober evaluation of, boy, without Christ, what am I? Well, guess what? Remember that as you're rubbing shoulders with people. As you're rubbing shoulders with people that seem to get it and some people that annoy you. With some people that have lots of money, with some people that are absolutely poor. With some people that can offer you all sorts of resources and all sorts of connections, with somebody that can offer you nothing. We're all same level. When it comes to Christ. You can say amen if you want. Yeah? I got one. Right on. It's important. So we have this, rec- this ministry of reconciliation because we realize we're a new creation. And not only that, now here's the juicy part. We're his ambassadors. So I've shared with this with you before, but it blows my mind because I've got to share it again. Is One time when I was going home from Bible college, somebody asked me, hey, you want to come home to Manitoba? And I said, yeah, because we could split it all sorts of ways, being a good Mennonite, if we could save some dough. So we go, and little did I know that Shane had this, uh, well, he had a sweet little uh, Honda Prelude. You remember those? Little sports car? Woo, spoiler on the back, keep that tail down. So we could rip, and he had borrowed a um, radar detector. Well, you're not allowed radar detectors in Manitoba. Who cares, though, right? So I was in the back seat. I was innocent. I was in the back seat. And uh, he is ripping. He is ripping down those roads. And we are making fabulous time. And once in a while, the lights would go and go, and we would hit the brakes, grab that radar detector, throw it back to me, and I'd cover it with the pillow. Oh, I said I was innocent, didn't I? <laughs> Shoot. Well, everything was going so good, and then we got to Manitoba, and there's a part on the, in Manitoba on the number one highway where they actually have some trees. I know some of you now think I'm lying, I'm a false prophet because I said trees in Manitoba, but there is a stretch of trees, and there we are, and we're ripping down this road. We can't see anything, and we are making great. <laughs> And we hit the brakes so hard, we grab that thing, we throw it in the back, we check our rear view mirror, we're dr- driving like grandma and grandpa, everything's perfect. And then, ah, uh, excellent, so maybe we just start hauling it out, all of a sudden, Jerry's behind us. What? So this guy was situated in some place where we could not find him. And uh, he pulls us over, and that's bad. But it gets way worse, because he comes up to the window, and he talks to us, so are you in a hurry? And my dummy friend, Shane, he says, well, yeah, I guess we're just coming from Bible college. Uh, like seriously, did he, he didn't he didn't ask that? He could have said college. So he says Bible college, and we're just going home. So he gives us a little bit of lecture about safety and all that jazz. And then, uh, not only that, he goes on. So Bible college, I said, or uh, Shane said, yeah. He says, aren't you guys supposed to be like the salt and the light of the earth? you gotta hate those cops that know their Bible man well he was absolutely right salt and light of the earth and then it gets even worse he starts to walk away and we're going I can't believe oh he turns around he goes radar detector please so the, I think the, this was way back, like, I don't know, 20-some years ago. So we're talking like a $200 and some dollar ticket and a $200 radar detector now that we had to pay for, and we were poor college students. But point taken, boy. But nonetheless, not only are we supposed to be salt and light, but here I want us to see that from the Scripture, not only salt and light, but also salt and light with authority. There goes that authority word. Because Christ has authority in our life, We actually have authority, and on Christ's authority, we can walk out and bring the good news. We know the good news, we've experienced the good news, and it doesn't mean we're perfect, but we have the authority to actually go out, because my dad, my father, my God says, I, as his son, can walk out, and I can tell you about him, and I know it in my life, and I've seen it happen all the time. So let me tell you, and I have the authority to tell you this, to give you this word, to give you this testimony that God is good and he loves you and he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. It's amazing. He's given us that authority. So here, when we look at this, we we look at it and he says he's called us ambassadors. When you look at ambassador in the dictionary, it's an official envoy, uh, especially a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government, or sovereign, or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. So an ambassador represents his people. So now with that in mind, let's go back over here, back to Roman times. And it seems that in the Roman Empire, there's two kinds of provinces. You had your senatorial and you had your imperial. A senatorial had submitted and were at peace with Rome. So everything was good. They had been conquered by Rome and they are chill people and they just welcome being now occupied by Rome. No problem there. But then you had your second. So that was the imperial. Sorry, that was the senatorial. But the imperial were not at peace with Rome. And it was necessary to send ambassadors to keep the peace. He sent ambassadors To keep the peace. You guys. Christ. Has sent us. To this imperial world. To declare peace. The peace of God. He sent us to this province. Or to this world. That has no use for God. In a time that is becoming more violent toward him, even in some of our laws from the federal and provincial government, he's given us authority, so not whimpering, oh, us poor Christians. No, stand up. Stand up and be counted. No federal guy and no provincial guy has died on the cross for my sins, Jesus Christ did. He has given me authority to stand up for what is right. We have been sent to this imperial world to declare peace, the peace of God. You have been sent by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to declare peace. And we got to look here. The ambassador, it only makes sense here, the ambassador that was sent from Rome or from Canada, elsewhere, or whatever, they had to be persona grata in both countries. That means of good reputation and character in both countries. So that is bringing us back to where new creatures in Christ. Are you growing in your potential? It is important to be people of character and to be people of growth. Not perfect, but growing and people of character. And we are his ambassadors sent out to folks that need to see integrity, that need to see marriages that aren't perfect but they're working together and loving on each other and getting up again after they've had a scrap, whatever it might be, Uh, folks that seek to be good connections with their kids, folks that have integrity in business, folks that are passionate about their jobs. An ambassador. We are his ambassadors because of what he has done for us on the cross. He's given us this message of reconciliation. And we can now go out with authority. And by authority, please remember the beginning of our sermon here. That it's not an authority that we can abuse. Or it's not a placement because of what I've done. But because what Christ has done. Now I don't have to walk shamefully and secretly down the street. But I actually go, you guys, I have within me this bubbling over message for you and you're paying attention like I said from Henry Blackaby you're paying attention because God is at work and boy you want to be a part of it and this is for free I think that's why in Canada we don't necessarily need huge gross whoa kind of sin to blow our minds I think we just need distraction because we love to be busy We love to make money. We love it when people say, so Steve, what do you do for a living? Oh yeah, I put in about 60 hours a week or whatever. Like it's just like we we honor that kind of stuff. So we go, 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 go. Are you positioned for God interruptions? Are you ready if somebody actually is sensitive now and could really use you in their life? Or are you too busy to notice? We are new creations in Christ. We're reconciled to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we are now his ambassadors. What would that look like? In your life, at your job, in your school with your children, that you start walking as an ambassador of the Most High King. And what would it look like if all of us submitted to that authority and we realize what Christ has done for us and we start walking straight, start paying attention for opportunities to share the gospel of reconciliation, reconciling folks to God and to each other. Heavenly Father, I would ask that you would help us this morning to do just that. Help us, wherever we are along this path, to realize the great lengths that you went to uh, not only help us realize how much you love us, but to actually make us right with you. We don't have to worry about our yesterday, we don't have to worry about today, and we don't have to worry about our future, because we are loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is a treasure that we cannot keep to ourselves. We want to share with others. So I ask that you would help us just to pay attention. Help us to be convinced that you are at work. And God, we do want to be a part of it. So even today, if people are going out for dinner or supper, whatever it might be, I pray that you'd help us to pay attention. Because it could be that there's an opportunity to share the good news. Or share a part of our lives. Or our listening ear to a waitress our listening ear to our kiddos, our listening ear to people as we hang out this evening or go to the movie theater, whatever it might be. But help us, Lord, to always be paying attention because we're actually walking as ambassadors of the Most High King with this incredible message that we are new creatures, creations in Christ and we come with this message of reconciliation. Help us to start living that out now. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I have a blessing for you that's kind of from this uh, portion of Scripture that we've talked about. Behold, you are a new creature in Christ. You are. You are a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Jesus gives you the authority to live in this newness, in this new identity, and this newness of life and to be an ambassador with authority of His love and His good news. I'm yeah. of our hearts tonight.